Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us for another edition, another podcast of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. Jacob, how the heck are you this evening? Man, if I got any better, there'd be three of me. We oh, just well, take everything know. as it rolls and keep on popping. You know this is our second podcast. This is the second podcast. The uh, I sit there and Number look at a few two. stats. I looked at a few stats of the first one, and, man, I, I'd have to say I was quite pleasantly surprised that that many people wanted to hear wanted to hear you and I say something. I don't know if they wanted to or maybe if somebody just lost a bet. <laughs> well, e- either way, it is what it is when it comes to numbers. But I tell you what, I'm pretty excited about tonight's episode that we're recording, you know, like I said in the last podcast, we talked about that we were going to bring a guest on, and, well, I couldn't think of a, of, of a better guest than the one we have tonight. What about you? I think this is a fine way to start it. I mean, we got a local guy who has a really interesting background, who has done a lot that I don't know if a lot of people in our area or around the country know. Uh, you know, give yep. us a real good opportunity to help kind of showcase what he's done in some of his things that he's been working on well you know we talked about in the last podcast about amick county i mean you know that's where that's where you and i born and raised and this guy kind of falls right in line with that so i I guess without further ado we'll go ahead and introduce him we have with us uh mr jeff nunnery he's a uh he's been one of my almost lifelong neighbors pretty much i mean i think we've almost talked to each other through the cutover once or twice how are you jeff Oh, man, I'm doing good. How y'all fellas doing tonight? Man, we're we making it. We I got a question. It. Big Jeff, do, do yeah, you man. want us tonight, do you want us to call you Big Jeff Nunnery or Jeffrey Nunnery or Jeff Nunnery? Man, you call me anything but late for supper. I hear you, brother. That's what that's what <laughs> we want to hear. That's kind of what I, I've never heard that one myself either, Jeff. They may call me something, but it ain't going to be late for the dinner plate. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, Jeff, now, we we know you, and we want everybody on here to kind of get to know you pretty well. You're from Smithdale, Mississippi, just right up the road from me, right there next to Jeremy. Could you kind of walk us through growing up in Smithdale, Mississippi? Well, you know, uh, I always tell folks I grew up in Smithdale because nobody really knows where Thompson is unless you live in Thompson. So, that well, I will, I will, buddy, I will, buddy, it right here, real quick. Once you said that, we can be somewhere. It doesn't matter if if me and my family we may go to New York, and if I'm with my mother, somebody, where y'all from? We're from the Thompson community, and they will just look at her and be like, I know exactly where you're talking about. So I I know what you mean when you when you reference Thompson, but uh. No, I'll say this now. (laughs) Over all the years when I used to work traveling and going around the country hunting and doing different things, folks ask me where I'm from, and I tell them I'm from Route 4, Liberty, Mississippi. (laughs) And it is amazing how many people go, Jerry Clower. Yep. Yep. I've I've used that reference myself because I'm from Route 1. (laughs) (laughs) But I I tell you, I have been shocked over the years with how many people – you know, can can associate this area with that name. Um, you know, growing up here, you never realized it was that big of a influence. I mean, we knew him, saw him at the post office, saw him at the store. You know, I mean, we we saw him all over the place, but never realized how far of a reach he had. And even back then, in that media platform. Yep. Oh, absolutely! Not until I got to be a teenager, I didn't I didn't realize it was that big a deal. You know. We'd see him at the drugstore, and, you know, uh, we'd visit. Sometimes I'd go go to church with a buddy of mine down at East Fork, and he'd be there in the church. It just wasn't that that much out of the ordinary to us back then, you know. Didn't think anything about it. But, uh, well, tell us about the young Jeff childhood. And like like Jacob said, growing up here in in Amick County and Smithdale and all all that. Well, man, there's... There's nobody that, that loves to be in the outdoors as much as as myself. Um, I grew up 
right out here on in in the Thompson community. We uh went from running dogs in this hunting club that I grew up in, and that was that's some of my earliest memories was was getting up on these frosty mornings and going to back it up to the dog pen and open up that box and helping helping my daddy load these walker hounds up to go down to the hunting club just to meet all these fellas and listen to the old timers talk and tell stories and just to get out there on the, like I said on the on ice on the ground and be excited about it be just a little old pity fellow and that's mm-hmm. I know y'all have similar stories to the same thing but that's I can well, one members in life, period. One thing I remember, you know, you talk about I never was really involved with the dog running and I knew I knew you, I knew your daddy and brother and, and everybody that, that was I guess within that, you know, tight knit family, if you will, there. But I remember going down and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I remember going down River Road during during dog season and man, you you would think that y'all there may be a revival in the ditch of the road. And uh, and you pull up there, and and man, you'd find yourself two hours later sitting there, just uh, just shooting a bull with each other on the back of the tailgate while y'all listen to the dogs run, and you know, y'all say, well, that's old that's old Betsy out there, she's on a hot one, and this that and the other. So I I never I my, my family just never was really into dog, you know, deer hunting, but but I uh, I had some experiences with it from from that stand from a bystander standpoint, and. And it, it's a family out there, from what I could tell. Oh, absolutely! It was most definitely a family and a brotherhood. And and if you were you were to come and be a part of it, it, it was, you was always welcome with open arms, you know. And, mm-hmm. and most of the time, you were going to come back. Yeah. But yeah, tell me this: Did you ever figure out how the old men knew which dog was which, or what they were running? I remember with us growing up running dogs. Some of them old men could say, that's old Joe, that's Tom, that's whatever. And they'd say, all right, he's on a deer, that dead gum thing's chasing a rabbit. I mean, they knew what it was running. And well, which you know, one was which? It's, it's funny that you should ask that because spending time in the woods and with those dogs, you learn them. You know, it's just, just like... Just like just like anything else, when you do, you know, you, you spend enough time in the woods with them, you start learning the dogs' different voices. You start, well, that's that's old Red, or that's that's old Pork Chop there. I, he's he's after this, or he's after that. You know, you learn the way a different animal runs and their patterns, as far as being able to understand and know what they run it. You know, if a if a deer, if a dog jumps one and and he tears straight line out most of the time, that's that's probably a pretty good buck that they after. You know, if they, they jump one and they kind of circling, that's probably a though or a young deer or something like that, just trying to stay in that home area. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I got what, you know, we, we had a, or, or Jacob kind of led us into a, a Jerry Clower moment. And I got one, I know, I know you, you and your daddy, y'all, y'all had a, had a bunch of dogs. Heck, I remember hearing them from my house whenever we moved out here and, practically got got next door to y'all i remember hearing hearing the dogs from my house but you know jerry always referenced old highball did y'all have a highball of the group just one that i mean just stood out more than any of the rest of them well i guess we kind of did you know we had one that made the paper one time really his name his name was weedy i do i remember this his name was what his name was Weed Eater, and I'll tell you why. Because you couldn't <laughs> catch the dude. He was so hard to catch that he had about 25 feet of Weed Eater string tied to his collar just so you could catch him. <laughs> well, this young fella had, had killed his first buck. You know, the dog running the deer out, you know, running the deer by him, and he killed a pretty good little buck. And he was so tickled about it that he, was, he had to take a picture with Weed Eater and put it in the paper. String attached and all. String attached and all. I tell you what, I, I tell you what. Now that 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 brings back so many memories to me. Whenever you said, because when you said weed eater, it just popped in my mind. When we lived out, when we moved out here, you know, like we said in the last podcast, and I wasn't born and raised where I, where we live now. And whenever we moved out here, you know, I kind of got to learning who people were. I met I met Jeffrey. I remember his daddy, and you know, kind of met them and a few other neighbors here close. 
and I could be riding my four-wheeler or whatever, you know, out here on the property, and I'd see a dog, and I think the first time, I think I remember the first time I remember seeing that dog, I noticed something, he was dragging something, and I could, you know, you know, as a young kid, I was just sitting there probably just staring at it, wondering what in the world is that dog have dragging? And as I got to, you know, know Jeffrey and, and, and know Mr. Curtis and, and all them, I began to, to hear stories of Weed Eater, and then, you know, you'd see him going down the side of the road, and you'd say, well, there's Weed Eater. <laughs> well, he was a definite community dog. Everybody knew him back then. And he no made doubt. And he made in the paper, so. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But Jeff, so, other than the dog running, tell us tell us a little bit more. Well, going 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 back to that, you know, I was fortunate enough to be be raised in the hunting club, and and that's something, you know. And, I, and I'll expand on a little bit more here in a minute. But I was I was raised around a bunch of folks that was older than me, and I was fortunate to be able to tag along with them a lot, and um. I can remember the first time I ever went turkey hunting. Now, I was on up in age a little bit because my daddy, he didn't turkey hunt much. He didn't have that much patience for me. But I remember Mr. Steve Moore took me on my first turkey hunt, and I told him a little bit of a fib when the turkey got out in front of me, and I said, I just couldn't shoot him through that broom straw, you know. <laughs> I said, I, I just didn't have a good shot. But I remember the turkey goblin right there at 10 yards and just shook me up, and I was <laughs> from then on. It will do it to you, I can assure you of that. Ain't no doubt. Anybody that's ever spent time in turkey woods has has probably experienced that very same thing, especially as a child. Uh, man, I took a kid a couple of years ago. A gentleman lets me on his place, and he said, Man, would you take my 13-year-old grandson? Man, I'd be glad to. You know, you've always been good to me and let me hunt here. And no problem. Well, young man and I got out there, and we got – we got in where we needed to be, and I called one up, and I didn't take a gun that day because grandson was shooting. And that bird come up and stopped at 20, 25 steps and just put on a show. And I'm steadily the whole time, shoot him. Every time he'd come out of strutting, that head pop up, shoot him, shoot him now. Kid wouldn't shoot. And we got back, and I told his grandpa, and he said, next time, take your gun and shoot it. And I said, sir, he said, I guarantee you from then on, when you tell him to shoot, he'll shoot. <laughs> he'll learn that one. Yeah, I didn't want to do that to your grandson and burn my chance of coming back. But, yes, sir, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll be glad to follow instruction if that's what you want. And if you ask Mr. Steve Moore to tell you that same story to this day, he'll tell you that I called him later on that day and I and I beat me up inside. I had to go on to tell him the truth. <laughs> I said it just got to me. I just didn't know what to do. I froze up. <laughs> yeah, how old were you think? Man, I was. I didn't have a driver's license. I was a teenager, but I was. I was probably. I was so you were probably in that 12, 13, 14 age group. I was right in there. I was right in there the first time he took me. And we really got on the turkey. It was, it was something. I, I was. I've been hooked from from then on. I haven't missed a turkey season since. Hmm. Well, I know just talking about turkey hunting. Whenever we moved out here, we didn't really have that many turkeys out here in Smithdale on, on our property. I is turkeys out here, but we just didn't have really any on our property. And I fooled with a, I'd fool with a couple birds once or twice, but you know we just really didn't have a, you know the population we have now. And I remember the first bird I killed out here was with Jeffrey Nunnery. I, um, I think me and me and a buddy of mine had chased him around a little bit, and and uh, Jeffrey we we had talked one day, and he said, "Man, if you ever you ever need somebody to come." You know, call for you or whatever. Let me know. And Jeffrey, what did we go like twice? I think we fooled with that bird and then ended up maybe getting him on the third time or something like that. Well, it was. I thought we went once before, and it this bird never did come in. But we had like three turkeys gobbling one morning. That's right. One turkey deep in there, and two two on the edge. Two went away from us. One came, but it was a little old Jake. If you remember that. Yep, yep, that's right, that's right. I done forgot about that. Yep. And then I think, 
How close did y'all get to shooting him? Well, he come. He come. Yeah, I remember now being at man. It just kind of refreshing my memory. He come kind of across that. So we were sitting almost, if I remember correctly, Jacob, almost where you and I sat. And when I killed that turkey this year, we were almost in the same spot. And he come from my left to right, so I was able to see him a good ways down there. And then you know we figured out he was a Jake, and we let him go. And it was like, what was it, Jeff? Maybe that next morning we went back and, and we killed that killed that long beard back there, maybe something like that. That joker gave us fits, man. Yep. He gave us sure it was a good morning, though. That was. Oh, yeah. We tried to play it was... around us with a brush top. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know there is. has been, I know there has been more than once where you hear one and you no know, bull Jake has got a full gobble. And man, you've already, you, you, you've got the beat drawed. You're ready. And about that time he turns or the fan comes up and you're like, oh, never mind. I mean, he. Mm -hmm. You know, in this state, you can't kill a Jake, so you've got to see a beard and know what you're killing. There's got and to I be know some I have, education to it, definitely. <laughs> I have had an itchy trigger finger more than once, thinking I'm fixing to seal the deal, and him turn and have a two-inch broom poking out and go, uh-oh, uh, never mind. You rock them bull Jakes or Super Jakes, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> and you'll make the woods. They will sure fool you and then have you scratching your head for two weeks and saying, if that's the turkey that I was hearing gobbling, he just didn't say nothing when he come up there or not. And that happens a lot, too. You you may have the big boy sitting back there being quiet, just hovering, and letting the Jake come up and run everything off, and then he'll, he'll go put what he wants to. But anybody that's ever turkey hunted, you know, it, turkey hunting is patience. It's not a – my stepson, my son and I, we went this year and – he got his first one like 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes after daylight. And I told him when we finished, I said, I want you to know now it does not happen like this very often. This is not a, this is not a normal thing. Hmm. Yeah. I, you know, it's good. I, I, neither one of my kids, uh, neither one of my sons, they've, they've killed a turkey yet. But, you know, kind of talking on that whenever a kid gets to go and it's just one of them 10 minutes coming to your lap you just, you just think about it and laugh saying son you don't understand right now but it's but not going to be this will. easy every trip <laughs> oh that's right you you don't understand the blood sweat and tears that you go through just to get to those moments like that right there oh yeah oh yeah I had, it, I had it this year keep you going back Man, my wife gets tickled at me. I start going to the gym and trying to hit the treadmill and putting in extra miles right before, usually right at the end of duck season. And it's taken her a few years to finally realize I'm trying to get in shape for turkey season. <laughs> if you go over there playing in them home to the National, Hill, National Forest Hills or a lot of other places I hunt, you're going to cover a couple of miles a day. No, you ain't kidding. That's some treacherous terrain all that. And may be successful, you may not. You've got an adventure the whole time. Yeah, oh, yeah. You had better have your legs under you pretty good, or you won't, you won't be as successful as if you do. No doubt. Jacob, I'll tell you something else that, uh, that Jeffrey and I have done together, and it was fairly successful, I would say, or I was, I was a lot more successful with Jeffrey than I would have been by myself. But Jeffrey and I did a little bit of predator hunting there, and we hadn't done it in several years. But um, you know, we had the we had the chicken house. The chicken house still there. We don't own them anymore. But when we owned them, I mean, that was a natural attractant for coyotes and bobcats and fox and all that. But Jeffrey, he's a pretty good predator hunter too. Yeah, man, that was definitely a, a big pastime. Where you know, we was always. Hunting something to do, you know. If it was mm. daylight hours, it wasn't hunting season. Sometimes we was fishing somewhere, and, and if it was as soon as dark fall, dark time hit, we was still hunting for something else to do. So I <laughs> yeah. got me learning to. I went to. I start, I remember my daddy had a. Well, actually, I think it might have been my grandpa's. I, I can't really remember, but it was a like one of the old cassette players, the little old flat ones. If you know what I'm talking about, it had a speaker on the top of it. Put a tape player, mm -hmm. put a tape in. Mm -hmm. I had one of them that had a squealing rabbit on it. 
and I wore that thing out. Now, I didn't ever kill anything with that because, you know, I wasn't real high-tech equipment. But then, then I went and bought me a, I went and bought me some hand calls, you know, and I started, I, I, I've spent enough time outside that, that I, I, I do pretty well with calls if, if animals have got hurt, you know. That goes, it's just been, it's just been something that's been pretty easy to do. But anyways, I, I got an old rabbit squealer and I, I started killing a few coyotes and some, and some uh, bobcats. And I graduated me and I would bought me up. I thought I was high cotton back then, Jimmy. I bought me one of them primos. <laughs> I remember it. Oh man, this thing had a remote control. You could set it out there in front of you. Yep. It just play all different kinds of sounds that you wanted. You could choose whichever one. That you could scare the britches off somebody if you wanted to with it too. Because you could set it out there and it sound like a pack of coyotes from anything from that to a rabbit squeal, anything you wanted. Yep. Well, if y'all decide y'all want to hear one, let me know because I'm looking at one in my shop over here in the the booth right now. <laughs> so. That technology is still around, but now go back to that old cassette player. For our younger listeners, that was the technology right about the time that a record player stopped. They came out with a cassette player right around the eight, after the 8-track. And if y'all don't know what that is, you're just going to have to Google it or something, you know. That was before cell phones and definitely before an iPhone touchscreen technology where you could just, everything was at the touch of your finger. Uh, man, I used to spend a mini hour on a tractor with a cassette player with a pair of headphones, butch hogging or clipping or whatever it was we were doing, disc and fields. And yeah, I've listened to George Strait, side one and side two, multiple times. When you finally got one that would actually swap it for you, that was, I mean, we were, we were the cream of the crop. Did you put the pencil in it and spin it over to rewind it? Only if it got out. <laughs> you, only, you only had to do that if the tape came out. People don't know what that means nowadays. <laughs> it started to eat it. You had to, you had to dig it out. Or it yeah, you, you had to rewind it because if it rolled over and you got a spin in it, you had it from then on. If you got a good wrinkle in the tape, it was just... Yeah, you know, he would skip it from there out. He, he would play through it a lot of times, but you you had problems coming. It was just a matter of time. Yeah, you just had to well, remember where that spot was and try to fast forward a few seconds to get past it and get played. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about the predator hunting, I remember. I guess I was. I guess I was in my early twenties, maybe late teens, something like that. And Jacob, I don't think you ever. You ever heard about it? But Jeffrey, I guess, and myself, and it was a few others. We had us a little. I guess it was probably a, maybe a four or five episode little outdoor uh, show. I think we even made it to YouTube, didn't we, Jeff? Yeah, that's some stuff on YouTube. You know, what goes on YouTube stays on YouTube, I guess. Y'all uh, got me now. I'm going to have to go back and okay. Google that. I'll have to look that up. Well, it was well, let me, let me you, I, I, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. My brother-in-law and I, you know, we we, we kind of, we pick at each other back and forth. Well, he calls me Bear, and I call him Trick. So we just decided we're going we to make us a little comedy routine and call it V.S. Outdoors. <laughs> so that's what we said we were going to start. And it just kind of, you know, we started running with it for a little while. We had some predator hunting episodes, and, you know, they were, I don't think it was maybe one time we actually shot anything. I think that was really on accident. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, there's a, there's a, should have been world renowned gun in one of those <laughs> videos. I'll let y'all, I'll let y'all find that on your own, but there is a six gauge pistol. In one of the videos. Of what? A six gauge <laughs> Which one of y'all were brave enough to try to hold that hand cannon and let it go? Oh, I had oh, it. Oh, man. He had it, son. I had I'm it. I'm thinking that would break a wrist almost. It was, it was stout to say the least. Would it kiss you in the forehead when it went off? I'm betting the recoil on that was amazing. 
Well, what was the good thing about it? The kick wasn't so bad, but looking at the damage it would do was satisfying. <laughs> you just going y'all are just gonna have to look it up. I don't know the title of the YouTube video. If I'd have thought we'd have came into it in the podcast, I'd have looked it up. But you gotta find it. It's it's worth seeing. Just watch do them all you'll figure it out. <laughs> do we still have this cannon? Yes. Oh, I may. I, I'm thinking we may have to have a reenactment. Well, I'm up for it. Whenever, whenever we, you'd we like. We may have to do a uh, live seed firing of this. It's you right still have shells for it. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we got it's a lot of briefing that has to be go through to get to that thing again. You know that's. that's yeah, I mean, I can't just the wall us back and we shooting Tannerite or something. I don't know. I can't well, just yes, go I'll, to the to the gun cabinet and get it out. I mean, it's going to have to be some documentation signed and all that to go with it. Okay. Well, look, to go back just a second, uh, y'all, y'all talking about filming. When I was in high school, a guy a couple of years younger than me wanted me to film him shooting a deer with his bow. I told him, sure, man, I'm in. Uh, and it was the old camcorder. You remember the one that was about the size of a briefcase? Mm-hmm. Like you had talking, a, like you're talking a boom box on your shoulder, huh? Yeah, had a VH <laughs> cassette tape, you know, the big tape in it and everything. Well, we we filmed one, and we got it. I mean, I actually had pretty good footage of him in the tree, of him drawing back. Of I think we even had it. Now, you couldn't zoom it in too much at that time, but we had the impact of the air. I mean, we had it all on there. Had a little bit of footage of the deer running off and kind of filmed a little bit of us trailing up to it. Deer didn't go far. We actually saw it fall, but, you know, you had to make that epic trailing of blood video. And at the end of it, exactly, at the end of it, we sat down and we had us a kind of an interview between us about what had transpired, you know, what just happened. We got back and we watched it with his mama, and first off, we got – in a lot of trouble for our language because I did not realize that we said quite that many dirty words in that little two, three-minute little skit that we did. But also did not realize exactly how redneck we were. (laughs) It's kind of like hearing yourself on an answering machine for the first time and go, is that me? Man, I don't sound that bad. I I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. You know, on these BS outdoor videos, we were, you know, we was kind of playing into the fact a little bit. But to be honest with you, we didn't have to play into the fact a whole lot. That was ours, you know. It was like, oh man, oh, okay. I'm gonna have to go talk to the English teacher, and we, we've got a lot of work to do. Was it almost really, it like you had your own language? Local folks, you ever talk to anybody from <laughs> South Louisiana? Yeah. You need to be around that dialect a little bit before you can actually start to understand what's being said. It was that same type of thing. Well, you can see two of them talking to each other, and they know what they're saying. Just, I mean, just without, without having to question it. The one of us would be like, wait a minute, what'd you say? <laughs> I've, got really, I've got a really good Creole friend that he will still, to this day, now he's an older gentleman, but he will still revert to French sometimes when he gets irritated. And it tickles me to no end when he goes from English to French and then back to whatever language it is he kind of does in the middle. And it's like, would you pick one? I've understood more from your gestures than I understood from what you said. Well, look, uh, to, to go back... So what we were talking about earlier about, about about growing up, you know, I I know we uh a lot of us, all three of us, share a, 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 a definitely one thing about the love for outdoors. But this is, ever since you guys talked to me about coming on here, this is something I really want to talk about is is traditions. You know, that 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 dog hunting to me was a tradition. Now, is that something I'm saying? I, I, you know, it's so controversial now to say you, you're going to hunt dog, run dogs or, or not. But 
that that wasn't part of the picture to me. It was a tradition, you know. Um, memories, making memories, like you're talking about. You know, you talk about taking kids out, and that, that's awesome. That's what it's all about to me. Is 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 we talking about the past and the traditions, but we got to build the way to the future for those young ones. Is, they they they're gonna be here to to preserve the outdoors tomorrow for us. Oh no doubt, that's man. exactly that's right. One, you know, Jeremy and I have been, and, and Jeff, you've been a big part of it over the last couple of years. But that's one reason that we really are adamant about the Kids Wildlife Expo because we get to introduce kids that may not ever get to see all the different aspects of what there is to do in the outdoors if we didn't do that. You know, I mean, I know kids that have seen a snare trap or got to hand grab in a, you know, a tub or got to catch a hog in a pen because we did the kids' event. You know, they've got to come over and see see some of the stuff of what everybody has going on and just realize there's more than just sitting there playing that dog on Xbox or Game Boy or whatever they are now. Absolutely. And there's, there's not enough of that going on. And, and, and I say that, I'm not saying that nobody does it, but there's no such thing as too much. You, you can't get kids involved in it too much. You know, there's a lot worse things that they could be doing in this day and time. You think? Look, as long as we were hunting, what's that old expression? Uh, I, I've seen it on duck hunting a good bit. If you'll teach a child to duck hunt, he'll never be able to afford to do drugs. <laughs> if you, you can spend all your time and money. Look, I, I'm looking at a, a rack of stuff right now. I could probably outfit 10 people right now to hunt just about anything you wanted to. And... Which now I have five of us that hunt and friends that sometimes need stuff too, so that's the reason for it. But yeah, you can you can spend as much or as little and get into this, and you don't have to spend a lot to hunt and have a great time and go enjoy the outdoors. Oh man, this it's it's as little as going to your neighbor's pond or something. You know, going to sit on the pond maybe with a cane pole and a, and a box of worms that you some worms that you just Doug out from behind the shop, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna ask this, Jeff, and this is this is just your opinion, just my opinion, Jeremy's opinion. But do you think some of that is there's more technology available to kids? Kids have way more stuff to do. You know, there's more sporting activities. You know, they can they can be on the playing flag football. They can play peewee. They can play soccer, baseball, softball, competition. They can do it all year long. But to me, one of the biggest things, too, is there's not as many farms in our area as there used to be. So kids don't have, grandparents don't have pieces of property. Or, you know, mamas and daddies don't have farms the way they used to. What's your thought on that? You can look on Facebook now and, and... And just look on some of these groups, and you see people looking for leases to get into left and right because they just don't have anywhere to hunt. I can't remember not having anywhere to hunt. You know, whenever I was a, when I was a kid, we was in that hunting club, and and I lived to go to the camp. I I lived for it. Now, I didn't have a mix box, and I didn't have all these other things, satellite TV or nothing like that to sit there and watch. I that's what I lived for. That was my recreational activity was to hunt and fish. Well, now tell me this. I do. Part of going to the camp was going to hunt and fish, but part of it was going to sit and listen to the old men. That's right. And eat breakfast. You know, you always have that one guy in the camp. He don't hunt anymore, don't care nothing about it. But that scoundrel's going to cook a five-course meal for breakfast. He's going to have some cathead biscuits and some sausage and some gravy and something else to go with it every single morning. Okay. Between the food and uh, just listening to them, man, I used to love to sit there and listen to them tell stories about back then. You boys don't know nothing. Let me tell you this. That was that was my learning. I mean, that's where I learned a whole lot of now a lot of lessons I couldn't tell Mama, but you know it was it was that was an education all on its own. Yeah, absolutely. That's the life lessons that got applied without you, without you even knowing it, you know? That's a, I've been there and done that. A lot, 90% of the stories were that. 
<laughs> no doubt. Look, how many times, I know with my children, I, I tell them, you know, don't try that. Daddy's, Daddy tried it three times, didn't work well for him, any of them. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, just, just, just trust me on this one. Uh-huh. We ain't going to get in depth with it, but just trust me. Well, but, you know, a lot of those lessons that I learned the hard way are the ones that I remember the most. So it don't matter what you tell them. Some of them, sometimes they just need to learn the lesson the hard way. I know my my daughter Cameron, well, Lord help me and that baby, we run a race a lot of times on, and it's a it's a daddy, daddy, daddy. And baby, don't do it. You know what's going to happen, and that, that little scoundrel is going to do it no matter what. She just wants to see if that's what happens. That's right. That's right. You know, about the kids and I know with y'all, that's... That's always something I've always been passionate about because I remember my upbringing. Because I remember how involved that that other parents were in my upbringing. You know, um, we go down to camp. Yeah, I'm my daddy's youngin', but I didn't stop the rest of them from correcting me or telling me what I needed needed to or needed not to do. And I think that that's, that's something that's missing a lot nowadays is, is camaraderie because cause I think in, in today's times that we live so busy, our lives are so busy that we just don't slow down to enjoy some of the simple things in life like we used to. Well, I know yep. I get frowned. I get frowned with me coaching as many kids' activities as I do. I, you know, there's a lot of times where I correct a lot of children. And I get a lot of frowns and I get a lot of thumbs up. But we're going to say, sir, we're going to say, ma'am, and we're going to be respectful. And when an adult's talking to you, I don't want to hear you talk back to your mom and daddy. You're definitely not going to talk back to me because as a coach, I have the opportunity to let you run. I I told a group first soccer practice today, I said, I want you all to understand something now. I do not get tired watching you run. It doesn't wear me out at all. And when you get out of breath from running, you can't talk back. So I want y'all to understand what's going to transpire right now. And it <laughs> that deer in the headlight look, it works real well until you ask them, you ready to run? And then they seem to catch on real fast what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, all falls, that all falls back to just the way we were brought up. You know, we, we knew not to. We knew not to do those sort of things. We knew not to talk black, or we knew not to jump in and be ugly when we ought not be around. Most folks we grew up with, we knew we'd catch a backhand. Oh, switch. A switch when they'd make you go get your own switch. That that walk of shame to that little old bush over there to get one, and don't get one that's not going to work properly. Don't get a big old dead limb or a little bitty dainty one. You, you better go ahead and just pick your good one. And come on back and take what you had coming, because otherwise all all it did was add fuel to the fire. I learned real quick: don't pick that little old slender, long, limber thing. Don't do that. <laughs> because that hurts the worst. It will wrap around you, won't you, bud? Several times. <laughs> and leave a leave a whip like nobody's business. That's a fact. That is a fact. Well, look, moving moving on along now. Now, being at the camp, that got you into into predator hunting. That got you into deer hunting and turkey hunting. You know, keep keep on going, man. Don't let us hang you up to so much. Well, um, you know, I, that gave me the opportunity to meet a lot of people. You know, and I, I was had been around a lot of people older than me. You know, my whole life, really, and. uh of course, now my mama's side of the family was was from right across the state line around Mount Hermon. I don't know if y'all know who that is or not, but it's yeah, it's not yeah. Off here. in Washington mm-hmm. Parish. You know. Now, now you two guys know it, but the the others might not. But that's that's kind of where my musical background came from. Um, I can remember again, just as much as I love hunting and fishing, I've always loved music from as long as I can remember. I can remember. Being just a little bitty other, and my and my grandpa and, and uncles and all them would have big music pickings at the house and and all. 
Some of them will be, you know, Southern Gospel and Bluegrass, a little bit of old country music in there, and they will be folks from everywhere just come just to have a, a picking and a grinning, you know. They, they bring a bunch of, everybody will bring a, a potluck or something and have a bunch of eating and a bunch of music, and I remember just eating that up, and I just, that 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 always stuck with me, and I can remember this day my Uncle Bill played the guitar and the mandolin, and I was just in love with that. I would sit on there. I would sit down with my legs crossed in front of him while he played that guitar and sang, and I was like, I love it. I said, I got to figure that out one day. Well, Jeffrey, I know, you know, we, me and myself and Jacob and, and a lot of people, you know, we know you as Jeffrey Nunnery, you know, guy that enjoys outdoors, passionate about it, you know, everything you just described. But there's a lot of people out there that know Jeff Nunnery by his musical talents. And, you know, we you've been part of our Delta Waterfowl chapter for the last several years. And, you know, a lot of people, are, y'all got Jeff Nunnery coming? Yeah, he's going to be playing. And, you know, they, well, I'm, I'm going to come check that out. And, you know, I know you've been, you know, I've watched you, you know, I've, I've been around and seen you play at several venues through the years and, you know, I think people probably associate you more with your musical talents, your musical career, kind of where that's led you than probably anything else. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, because it's definitely, I've definitely got to reach out to a lot more people, you know, because it's been awesome. I'll tell, tell you that, you know, I to, to back up, to, to go back to, to my upbringing, you know, and I, and I just a little bit of color, and then I, when I was nine, there was this little talent show came to Macomb called Star Seek. And it was kind of kind of on the same line as, as a Star Search. This is one of their satellite contests. Well, my mom and daddy told me that you ought to try it. I said, well, okay. You know, I had a little, little short duffy feather and had a cowboy hat on that was probably big enough to swallow all of the steel. At least it looked like it was. <laughs> I went out there and man, sure enough, I, I won this whole contest. They uh, they paved a way to go to, to Nashville, Tennessee, to another contest. You know, this it wasn't necessarily a winner of this contest. They were just, you know, showcasing you at that at that venue just to see what happened. You know, I was I was nine. I was in school, and you know, my my family didn't have a whole lot whole lot of money to be able to help do much of anything, so that kind of that kind of fills it out a little bit. When a Jeff and then going back, was that that's kind of like the voice and the the, the shows that they have today? Is, is that kind of like the the beginning of that type of era? Pretty much. Um, what this was was, you know, they you, you were they put you on, they recorded you. You know, it's just like a show, and you know, you have your song that you sing, and and you had a number. And they, you were on. That was whenever they come on. We'll pick back a little bit a few years again. That's whenever they had the different galaxies for the satellites. If you, you remember what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had the galaxies and the channel numbers and all that. But I can't remember the channel number now. But anyways, you know, you call in and you call the number and you, you know, you tell them this is the number I want to vote for. And you, you know, it's the same difference as American Idol and all them. You know, you call in and vote for a number or whatever. So you didn't now, have a I panel of judges them. right there in front of you? No. I had a crowd okay. of people in front of me. At nine years old, that was pretty tough, man. That was very racking. Well, Jeffrey, what, yeah. song, what song did you sing that you won in Macomb? It was a Garth Brooks song called Shameless. Okay. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. I'm just kind of thinking back to that. I wouldn't mind when I remember hearing that song. So uh, that kind of dates me, I guess, on age being a little bit older than you boys. Uh, that, that one, that one was more in my high school dating area right there. Yeah, it was fresh and hot then. It was fresh and hot then when I was nine. <laughs> now, Jeff, back back up just a little bit right there. Now you said you you first got involved with the music through your family and stuff, but now, had you ever sang in public anywhere else? Uh, you know, um, I would sing in church. So, you know, I was brought up in, I, I wasn't, my, my mom and daddy wasn't really members of church, but, but the people that, like, this goes back 
back to the camp. And uh, Mr. Steve Moore, his brother Glenn, was a, was a youth leader at uh, Hebron Baptist Church up there. He'd come pick me up. We could eat, take me to church, and different others, and I would go to that church, and I go to the top of the church, and I would, I would sing in church coming up. So yeah, that that would be the other places that I would sing in public whenever I was a youngin. Now any time that we had a a gathering of, of some sort, whether it be at the camp, around the bonfire, around the fire barrel, or or wherever, you know, Mama and Daddy were always urging me to sing something. That's awesome. Out there, and I'm. I'm really, I'm really grateful for that because it taught me to, as I got on up in age, the stage fright really didn't play a factor in that. And I was very grateful for it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, you know, having that talent is something, Jeremy, I don't know if you have it, but I don't. I mean, uh, you know, I do good to play a radio. I've uh, been told before I couldn't carry a tune in a five-gallon bucket. So for you to have that, that talent is it's phenomenal to me. You know, people that don't have a talent kind of appreciate it more sometimes. Because I know I don't have any musical talent. I no, talk me all either. day, but don't 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 ask me to grab an instrument. Uh, I mean, I wounded myself trying to tune a guitar one time and realized that was good Lord giving me a hint that maybe I needed to give that up. <laughs> I don't know many people have ever wounded themselves tuning a guitar, so I figured I was on a plateau all of my own. Most definitely. Well, look, look, music is, has definitely opened so many doors for me throughout the years, and it's been a blessing. To, I've, I've met so many different people from so many walks of life. You know? Um, well, Jeffrey, where did it take you? So when you were younger, um, you know, you went, you went to Star Seek and you went to Nashville. What about through, like, your teen years, you know, you singing in church and stuff. What did it, what kind of evolved through your music career? I guess as you're going, you know, through those teen years, that kind of got you and, and planted the seed, I guess, to where you where you are today with it. Well, you know, I started I started noticing, you know, when I say the first time that I ever sang with a live band, other than we'll say a recorded soundtrack behind me when I was 16 years old. And when I started seeing the reaction that people had to these bands and, and to, to live music back then and to what I was doing, well, I kind of got hooked on it. You know, it's like it's like that turkey gobble. You know, when you get, mm-hmm. it's like a when the crowd is cheering and, and they like what you're doing, that's just like a gobbler answering, answering you whenever you're cutting at it. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my drug is the crowd. Makes your heart pick up a beat or two. Absolutely, man, and and that pushed me forward through my teenage years, you know. And I, and I, I I'd like to say that I played the circuit, the local circuit, you know, that everywhere that that would allow me to come in and play, I did. Uh, and then I I met some guys over in Music Hall. Mr. Troy Williams was the man's name, and he had a place over there. He was, he was a piano player, and and these guys, look, they were. 50 plus years older than me, um, and he was—he took me under his wing, and and that's that's guidance right there. Like that's priceless guidance and experience. You know what I mean? They took me under their wing, and we formed a band. And this was a—they called it. We called it. We called ourselves Southwinds, and we mm-hmm. started really playing in a lot of local places, local venues. You know, we played Heritage Days several times, and. A lot of places you know, that would have us, uh, just just anywhere. We'd play anywhere that would have us, from from matches to South of Jackson to to uh, Ponchatoula, Denham Springs, wherever. It, it didn't matter. And then I decided, that, you know, it's time to. I had a little, few more years on me. I said it's time to. I really like what I'm doing, and and I noticed my crowds are getting bigger, and I'm starting to get this. My followings is getting bigger, and more people are coming out. There's more. I'm booking a lot more shows and, and bigger venues. So I said, you know, it's, it's time to take it a step further. So I, I did, you know, and I spoke with, and I, and I signed a, a little record deal. And that kind of, that really, 
that really took off. And I and uh, I, I recorded a song and recorded a music video to it. And man, it's just been one thing after another from there. It's just it's been awesome. And then and now I've never been one to to brag or boast. And and, and Jeremy tell you that he's been on me for years, but. It's an awesome feeling just for, and it, for people just to come up to you and say, man, I, 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 just be at Walmart or something, man, you're Big Jeff. Like, yeah, that's me. Man, you're awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, that's, that's, that's awesome, you know, and, and, and I've, and to go back and, and look where I come from, I'm, I'm from, from Maymet County, Mississippi, and I got over a hundred thousand views on the video on YouTube, the music video. I've got a song out on Amazon and iTunes, and more to come here shortly. That's pretty phenomenal, all on its own, right there. Now, I don't Jacob, think. Jacob, I, don't I remember think a lot of times. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I remember Jeffrey. I think invited me, or I may have just said, Jeffrey, I'm gonna join you on this. We there was a song that uh that I had a little party while well, I thought I did. I wasn't good at it at all. But needless to say, out of the song, you could tell and I I got up on stage with him, I think once, maybe twice, Jeff, I can't remember. But you could tell when he's talking about the crowd's reaction, you can tell what the crowd thinks is good and what the crowd thinks is bad. Because my little part didn't get quite the reaction that Jeff got. I'll just say I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. You don't think you had uh, influenced in a positive manner quite as many people as Jeff had? No, I didn't. Know. I didn't quite get the response nor the followers that he was getting. So I I kindly kind of got the message, and I didn't do that anymore. <laughs> well, I can. I can tell y'all this. I've never had the opportunity to get on the stage and sing with anybody really that really amounted to anything. But a good friend of mine in North Texas used to be the opening band for a lot of places around there. You know, they would, he'd be the house band at this little juke joint this night or this week or for a month or, and he called me one day and he said, Jake, he said, I need, I need you to come pretend to be my drummer. He said, they're shooting a commercial for the place, and he said, I need somebody to be, just pretend to be the drummer. I said, man, I got you, no problem. Well, I was at my house wearing a Chuck E. Cheese t-shirt at the time that was probably a size or two too small, because back then I actually had a little more muscle than I have now. And uh, I asked him, I said, do I need to change? He said, no. He said, just grab a cowboy hat and come on. So I show up in Wrangler's cowboy boots with a Chuck E. Cheese t-shirt on. It's a little size smaller than it probably should have been. And don't ask me. I don't know where the t-shirt came from. I think we had gone there for a kid's birthday party, and I won one or something. It was a dare or a challenge or something. We get set up, and they got the camera crew out there, and they're filming, and they're doing their thing. And he told me he just had a, a snare and a, a couple little things, a little top hat and symbol, something set up. And he said, I just want you to pretend that you're back there just kind of keeping rhythm. So when they pan to me singing, they can see you in the background, and it looks like a live band. You know, it was staged. I said, no, no problem, brother. I got you. We we got this covered. Well, I thought we were done with shooting the part that we were going to shoot, and I decided to have me a full-blown drum solo, air solo back there in the background. Now, there may have been a cool pop or two involved before I got into this, but I had me a sure enough <laughs> drum. I mean, Kiss and Metallica's drummers would have been impressed with the layout I put on. <laughs> and I thought nothing about it. We finished up. He told me, thank you. I, you know, we sat there and visited a little bit, and I eased off. Well, about a week later, he called. He said, you, I can't actually repeat what he said, but he said, the commercial has your goofy booty in the background in that Chuck E. Cheese T-shirt doing an air solo more than it has me singing on a stage. <laughs> Somewhere in North Texas, that commercial is still floating around out there, and I hope it never surfaces. But I will tell you, it was I had a good time. I, I don't know if they enjoyed it as much as I did, but I had a great time. 
I bet that commercial. That's what I was about. I bet that commercial is on YouTube right next to the BS Outdoor Six Gauge Pistol episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's, on a, it's on a playlist together somewhere. <laughs> uh, I don't, the old boy could sing. Now I'll give it to him. I mean, like I say, he he had a he had a pretty cool career. Uh, which Jeff, tell us this now. I know his led him to being able to open and play for a couple really, I mean, to me they were just awesome, legendary, you know, folks. Have you, who all have you got to open for or play with or kind of walk us through that? Oh, man, I've I've been blessed in that category. Um, I've opened up for countless, I, I just, just to name a few uh I've opened for Farrell Singletary. I've opened for you know every, everybody likes with Frank Foster. I've opened for Frank Foster. Really? I played shows with Dylan Scott, Love and Theft. Huh. I've even played. I've even opened up a show show for Up Church to Redney. Well, that's a little different one. Oh, that's, yeah, a little different. I'm gonna have to be honest and tell you I don't know if I've ever heard that one. A little different. I'll have to look it up. It's a little different. It's not. It's not a name that county genre. I'll tell you that. Well, Jeff, you, you actually you actually filled in, or I think you did, um, Luke Combs' part on one of his songs, didn't you? I did. He's got a song called, called "Can I Get an Outlaw," and and I I sang Luke Luke. Luke Combs' part on stage with Up Church the night open for him. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I sure did. And I'll tell you, one of the, one I, I missed an opportunity back. Uh, there was a place in McComb called Chili Willie's Inn. There's a place um, Florida Georgia Line was coming to play. And it's right before they came out with Cruise. And I was, I was going to be the opening band. They were coming to play, and then we had a I want to. I can't remember exactly which hurricane it was. It might have been. I don't. I don't remember. I do. I do. I do remember that happening. I remember. I remember Florida Georgia Line was going to come to town. Not a whole lot of people knew who they were, and I remember some talk, you know, between me and some of my buddies, like, "Man, Florida Georgia Line is coming to Chili Willie's," and I was like, "Florida Georgia Line? I've heard of them on the show, like." Yeah, they started like promoting the show like two months ahead of time. Well, like yeah. a week before they were scheduled to come, Cruz hit number one. Yep. And then everybody knew. So they 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 went from selling you know a few tickets to not not being able to have enough tickets for anybody. You know, so like man, this is gonna be awesome. I'm ready. You know, and then here comes the hurricane, and they want that deal. I still yep. played all night. We had a yep. Well, I tell you what, we're kind of getting to the end of this podcast, but we're going to have Jeffrey on for some more. I think there's some more we can talk about his music career and kind of where it is today. And also, there's another adventure that Jeffrey and some of his good buddies that kind of went in the last year, two, three years that they're doing is a free service. And I think that uh, I think in the outdoor world, a lot of people appreciate it. You may not know about it right now, but we're going to talk about that on the next episode that we're going to do with Jeffrey. But guys, I think we about need to wrap it up tonight. And, yeah, let's uh, do that. But real quick before we get off here, Jeremy, Jeff. Now, if anybody's looking to find you, what's the easiest? And I, I know you're on Facebook. What other social media, what's the other easiest ways to get up with you if somebody wants to book you for a band or, or do something like that? How how can they find you? I am on, I have a Facebook page of Big Jeff Nunnery Music. You can look up that. Um, I have Instagram page, same thing, Big Jeff Nunnery. It's all linked. I have a Twitter page. I, I have it all. You know, every, every social media platform, I'm there. So I'm not I'm not hard to find at all. So every one of those pages have looking information. They also have links to my to my music. If you can watch the video, or if you want to download the song on iTunes, or Amazon, it's it's there. 
Well, Big Jeff, okay. I, know, I know for me, and I'm sure I can speak for Jeremy too, man, I want to say thank you for being on here. And, look, thank you to all of our listeners, everybody that, that's been on here or, or getting on here to listen to us. We hope you come back next time, and God bless Southern air, Lord, to make you feel alright. I got the windows down.